0: All right, how's everybody doing today? Awesome. Hey, good to be with you. My name is Nate. I'm one of the pastors on staff. I get the privilege and the honor of serving as our life groups and uh, young adults pastor here at the Kearney campus. So we want to welcome all of you who are online worshiping with us. We're glad that you're here, as well as we want to welcome our North Platte and Ogallala campus. So thanks so much for worshiping with us. Hey, if you're at home and you haven't been back to one of our campuses, we hope to see you real soon, and uh, we're excited that you're here. How's everybody doing today? Are you doing well? Awesome. Very cool. Well, it's good to be with you. We're kicking off this new series. All I all I can say is this is you want to be back for the next four weeks because I've been told there may be some sightings of some things that are on this graphic just showing up random in our services. Excuse me. So it's gonna be a lot of fun, so it'd be cool. I don't know who's showing up. You know, Javen? He does know, okay, so maybe you want to find that out, go talk to him after the service. But yeah, we're kicking off a brand new teaching series. Man, when I heard about this series, and then I'm like, 2020, I'm like, Pastor Jeff, what are you doing? Like, right? Like, last week, we just wrapped up a series, Doomsday's Prepper, and then now Conspiracy Theory. Did Pastor Jeff, like, know that the world was going to do what it was going to do? And I don't know that he knew, I don't know that he did know, but I can tell you this, this teaching series and last week's teaching series was on the calendar before 2020 even hit. And so I hope that encourages you that Jesus knows what's going on in the world today. Amen? He knows what's going on. He knows what's going on in the world. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what's going to happen in November. Amen, somebody? Amen. Amen. And if you're putting your hope in the world, just, let me just give you a little perspective. Do you remember when you were 10? Do you remember when you were 20? Do you remember when you were 40? Now do you remember when you are 70? guess what? Everything is starting to sag and drag. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? This world, it wants to take you out, and everything's moving that way. Come on, gravity's pulling on you. So, uh, you know, that's what's kind of going on, but Jesus is in control. Amen? Amen. So, conspiracy theory. We live in a culture that is obsessed with Conspiracy theories. They're, they've got people got their own ideas. You got your own ideas about what's going on with COVID. Some of you got your own ideas, what's going on with climate change. Some of you got your, some ideas about big government. What is all really that all about? You know, there's the things about outer space. People come up with all these different just ideas of why things happen. But here's the one thing I know, right? All of us are searching for the truth, amen? We're all searching for the truth. And if you're anything like me, you're like, stop playing games with me, just give me the truth, amen? I'm tired of this fake news, what's fake, what's not, I don't know, but I'm just saying give me the truth and then I get to decide what I want to do with it, right? And that's really what I want to do for you today. As we dive into God's word, I just want to give you the truth and then at the end of the day, you get to decide what you want to do with it. This week, I had more people this week telling me, Nate, there's no pressure today there's no pressure. I'm like, what does that even mean? I don't feel the pressure like I got to perform or do something. I'm just being me. So today, I'm just the messenger. So if you shoot me, you still got to take it up with whatever you're dealing with with God. Amen, somebody? Amen. So today, I feel no pressure. I'm just going to share the word and you do with it what you want. Okay, cool. Everybody clear? All right, good. So here we go. We're looking at it. I don't know about you if you've read the Bible, if you've been around church for a minute, or maybe you haven't been around church for very long. But if you've seen a Bible, maybe you've seen a Bible that has some red letters. Those red letters are telling you that Jesus said these things. He would would teach these things. These were promises. These were truths that he taught. And I don't know about you, but when you look at some of those things that Jesus taught, you're like, this sounds completely outlandish. This is crazy, this doesn't go anything, it cuts across the culture's thinking, it, it challenges you in the way that you think, and you go, man, that just leaves me kind of feeling like, can that be true? So today, I want to look at some scriptures that, of what Jesus said, and just kind of, let's just take a look at some of the things that he said, and just see how they fit with you. So Jesus said, it's better to give than to receive, you right? I think as a kid, you're like, no, that stinks, that's the worst thing ever. And if, you, if you're parents, you get that, right? Your kids are like, no, I just want, want, want. But as you grow older and as you mature as Christians, you understand that, man, it's way more blessed to give than to receive. So you get that one. Rejoice in persecution. I've never felt persecution like what our brothers and sisters around the world are feeling. I, I've never felt that. I've never buddy said, you know, if you don't, if you deny, you need to deny Jesus or you're going to die. I've never felt that. But I do remember an instant when I, instance when I was pastoring here and I, became, and I was starting to do college ministry and I was going on campus at UNK and I'll never forget, there was this woman on campus. She was a student, but it didn't matter. I think I, like, I had a tracking device on me because every time I showed up to UNK, it was like she would find me. And she would just be like, oh, so you think you're a pastor? Oh, you think you're gonna follow Jesus? Oh, do you really believe in all that? And I was like, well, leave me alone, woman. This is crazy. <laughs> And I was never, I was never rejoicing going, oh, yeah, I'm ready to go to UNK because this lady's going to give me a hard time. Actually, the office, I was like, do I want to go to UNK and hang out on the campus? But I was just wrestling. But Jesus says rejoice in persecution, whatever you may feel. It might be physical and it may just be more of a verbal attack. Turn the other cheek. I've never been punched in the cheek, but I can tell you this. I know that it probably doesn't feel good. And I'm not sure I'm going to be like, give me another one, buddy or Drew, I'm just kidding, you know, that's my wife, her name's Drew, so, okay, um, the first will be last, that, that goes against culture, right, if you're, if you're not first, you are last, so that's something, lose your life to save it, pray for your enemies, that doesn't sound like very much fun at all, I mean, I'm not normally thinking that way, but, you know, Jesus says you need to pray for your enemies, I hope we're being renewed and we're being challenged and transformed each and every day. And to look more like Christ. Those who drink, I love this one. What, what does this even mean? Those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty? I mean, what did Jesus have with the Culligan man? I mean, way before, he's already trying to put the Culligan man out of business. But Jesus says, those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty. And so Jesus has these teachings that, kinda, that cut across culture. They don't always feel good. They don't always sound good. They don't, and so what do we do with those? And if we think this is all the things that Jesus said that sounds outlandish, then you're wrong. Because some of the most hated words that Jesus ever spoke is found in John 14, 6. And in a culture today, in a culture that we live in, that wants us to fall for everything and stand for nothing, I want to do something a little bit different in our service today. Whether at your home, or you're at the North Platte campus, or Ogallala campus, I want to do something. I want us to stand in honor of the reading of the word. Would you stand with me, church? Come on. At all your place, all the locations today, would you stand with me? The, the Hebrews, the word of God says it's alive and powerful, amen. It's alive and powerful. It cuts like a two-edged sword. Today, I believe that the Bible, it, the Bible says in Hebrews, in chapter 4, it talks about where the sword will split the soul from the spirit. Today, sometimes our soul is so loud in our heads and in our hearts that we can't hear what, our, what the spirit is trying to say to us today. And we need to shut off our soul. And so that's my prayer is today, that as we stand and read in, in honor of the Word of God, that it would become alive and active and powerful in our lives. So today, John 14, 6, would you read it out loud with me? It says, Jesus answered, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Turn to your neighbor and go, I know the way. Turn to your other neighbor on the other side and go, we're going to follow this person. They know the way. All right, you may be seated. You may be seated. Come on, somebody. The reading of the word, good stuff, right? We got to honor it. Come on, church. We got to hold on to it. I mean, there are people all around the world that will confiscate and, I mean, they will take, a, you know, a page out and they will, like, swallow it and regurgitate it and just meditate and read on it. And we, I don't know about you, but I looked in my office, I probably have 10 different Bibles. All around our houses, we have tons of Of Bibles, probably, or at least you carry it on your phone everywhere you go. Come on, somebody. (laughs) But we need to be just living it out, letting it just speak to our spirits, speak to our soul, tell our soul, man, shut up and sit down. Amen? Amen. So we read that scripture. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We're in a church setting. We're all like, amen. But I'm not really sure how we really feel as individuals about that. For some of you, you're a younger generation and you feel, man, man, that sounds really narrow-minded or snobbish. To just say that Jesus is the only way, it feels narrow-minded. For some of you, it just doesn't sit right with you when you read that, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And I think one of the reasons why we have this wrestling going on inside of all of us is, we, is because we live, we live in this culture, we live in this world that seems to have endless options in virtually every area of our lives. Anybody go to the grocery store this week? Anybody? Okay, people don't shop here. They just call Amazon and whatever they're doing. hy V. people are just showing up, dropping on their stuff. But if you go, if you go to Walmart, you go to hy V. man, just go down the deodorant aisle. You've been there in a while? I mean, there's so many different options of all different fragrances. You can smell like this, or you can have 24-hour protection or 48-hour protection. I mean, whatever it is you're looking for, you can have the roll on, or you can have the spray. Pssh, pssh. I mean, whatever it is you're looking for, and if you still don't believe me, go to the next aisle over and they have tons of different flavors that you can brush your teeth with. I mean, different types. I mean, there's just an endless a variety of things. And it's like, well, you've got to have options, you've got to have all these options. Some of you still aren't with me. Recently, I was traveling in, in Colorado, I was with my wife, we were in Denver. Anybody ever used the uh, the Google Maps app? Come on, anybody? Yeah, right. So you're like, here's my, here I am. Here's my current location. You put in your location, and then you hit directions, right? Typically, when you get directions, it comes up with three, three directions. It's going to give you the shortest route, a medium route, and the longest route, right? Well, we're in Denver. We're traveling around, and we're and I'm trying to go to the shop that I like to go to, and so I put in the di- put in the direction or the address and hit directions, and it comes up with One location. I'm like, come on, this is ridiculous. There's got to be more than one option, one way there. So I go, forget it, delete, type in the address again, hit directions, and it only gives me one direction. One direction to get there, it was the longest I've ever think I ever took because there were bridges out and all this stuff, and it really just frustrated me. So I can relate to maybe where you're at. When you hear this saying or when you hear the teaching of Jesus, when you read the scripture of Jesus and he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, it can be, it can, there's something inside of all of us. There's pride inside of all of us. It's like, there's got to be more than one way. And so what do we do with this saying? How do we, I mean, what, what do we do with this? Do you just suggest that, you know what, you know, it's just a suggestion, it's just a good teaching or it's, it's a good idea, but, you know, it's, it's not an absolute truth. Or do you disagree and you stand with culture on this and you say, you do you and I'll do me and everybody will just get along. Or do you disregard it and just go, you know what? There's got to be multiple ways to heaven. I'm not sure what you do with that. I don't know where you're at. I've had to wrestle with this. I think there is a wrestling in all of us. And I get it. It sounds unreasonable, but I just need to, I need to just poke at you for a second. I believe that Jesus' teaching has to be diametrically opposing to the world or it doesn't make him God. If Jesus doesn't say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, then what, what, what would we do? All of us are going to come up with a bunch of different options on how to get to heaven, right? And what that does is, is if I can ever think that I can get into, get into the right relationship with God, doesn't that make me as smart or smarter than God? If I ever can think that I can do this on my own, I don't have to do it God's way. I can get myself to God, then I'm smarter. And that's arrogance. And that's, I think, what the problem is with some of humanity. Humanity, much of humanity thinks this. I can live my life on this earth without God. Yeah, you can. You can believe that there is no God. You can live your life on this earth. But I want to remind you, you can't get to eternity without God. You can't get to eternity because that's where God resides. His Holy Spirit resides in us here on this physical earth. But when you take your last breath and when you pass away, man, the next thing you're going to meet is Jesus. You can't, you can't get to eternity without Jesus. It's just not going to happen. But that's the thing is I think the problem is with our world is the world thinks this earth, that's all there is. That's all there is. And that's why I said... Some of our skin, sagging, because it's wanting to pull you down. This world is not it. We were designed and created. Ecclesiastes says we were designed and created for eternity. God has put, the eterni- has put eternity in the hearts and minds of men and women. Amen, somebody? There's a God-shaped hole inside of all of us that some of us are trying to fill with earthly and worldly things, and it's leaving you empty, broken, hopeless, no love in the house. And today you're in the right place because Jesus is here Showing you the way that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Come on, somebody. So, we're smart people, right? Turn to your neighbor and go, you're a smart person. Come on. Don't leave the other person out. Go, man, you're a smart person. So, today I want to do something a little bit different at home. You're a smart person as well. Nobody's probably saying that to you, but you're a smart person. I want us to throw out the idea that Jesus is the way. Okay? Just throw it out. Some of you, you may not agree with it anyway, so you're like, ah, it's a good idea, whatever. So I'm going to ask you the question, what do you think is the way to heaven? I think what would happen is, is all of us would come up with our own opinions, right? Maybe somebody at the North Block campus, they're standing up right now. I'm just kidding, they're not. This is all hypothetical. They're standing up waving, they're like, hey, Nate, oh, I, I, know way to, I know the way to heaven. It might be, you just got to be a moral person. Be kind. All across social media, all across our communities, you can see billboards and signs. Just be kind. Be nice to people, right? Another person might say, here at the Carney campus, because this, this campus has been, uh, you know, going on a lot longer. And somebody might say, well, my family's been going to this church for a very, 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 very long time. And we've given a lot of money to the church. And um, I'm not, you know, my, my grandparents and my parents, they love Jesus. So I'm not sure where I'm, where I'm at with Jesus, but they've given a lot of money, so that's got to mean something. I got the last name. You know, another person might, you know, say, hey, you just need to read these books of wisdom. What books would you read? I don't know. Just read some books on wisdom. And if you just follow those to a T, you're going to get to heaven. You know, another person might say, hey, you're going to get to heaven if you just go to church on Christmas and Easter, right? Those are Christian holidays. So if you just show up on Christmas and Easter, you'll be good to go. Another person might say this, you know, if you just pray and read the Bible every day, they would say, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't chew. And I don't run with boys or girls who do. Older generation's getting that one. The younger people like, what? It's okay. Man, what is up with these phones? I love it. The phone went off in the first service, too. So go ahead and answer it. Don't worry about it. Just answer it. It's cool. It's Jesus calling. <laughs> I'm the way, the truth, and the No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, true story. In first service, okay, we're talking about, we're talking about the uh, directions in, in, the Google, in the Google app. Somebody gets out their phone and Googles, how to, what the directions are from the church to their home. It was awesome. It was like perfect timing, and so I'm laughing. So it's cool if your phone goes off. Don't be embarrassed. I love you. It's awesome. It's good. So left to ourselves, we just, some of us just answer the question in our heads. What is the way to heaven? Left to ourselves, we're all going to come up with our own opinions. We're all probably going to disagree what the, what the way is. And that's typically where a conspiracy it comes from. Somebody doesn't agree with what somebody, some, somebody might said or, you know, they don't like the outcome of, you know, w- whatever reason. And so they're like, there's got to be another way. And so they come up with this conspiracy. And there's a conspiracy out there that there are many ways to heaven. The world will tell you, oh, man, you're too narrow-minded. There's, there's many ways to heaven. There's four major religions in our world that will tell you this same point. There are many ways to God. But these four religions, I did a little bit of a study this week. Um, I studied Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, and Islam, and guess what? They all agree on one thing. They all agree on this one thing, that you have to earn your way to heaven by living moral. To live a moral life, it's all based on effort today. That's not the truth about Christianity. Christians, you enter heaven by grace through faith in Jesus. Their faith is in the fact that Jesus, God's only son, died on the cross to pay for the penalty for man's sin. Amen? Amen. It's not based on these books. It's not based on, oh, should you just read the Bible? It's not based on this performance where other religions will say, man, you've got to be a good person. And if you do all these things exactly right, then maybe, maybe you'll get to spend eternity with God. And these four religions, they're not even talking about the same God that we're talking about. They're not even talking about the same heaven that we're talking about. When they see Jesus, they see Jesus just as a teacher. They see him as a prophet. They just see him as a guy that has some good things to say. But they don't see Jesus as God where the Christian faith is rooted in the Trinity. Amen? We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these other religions are not that. See, the uniqueness of Christianity is rooted in the uniqueness of Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Jesus Jesus himself. See, other religious leaders will say this, follow me, and I'll show you how to find truth. But Jesus says this, I am the truth. Other religious leaders will say, follow me, and I'll show you how the way to get to salvation. But Jesus says, I am the way to eternal life and salvation. Other religious leaders would say, follow me, and I'll show you how to become enlightened. But Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. That's the uniqueness of Christianity against any other religion is you have Jesus. Jesus at the center. He's the mediator. He goes to the cross. He pays for the penalty of sin so that we can have a free gift of eternal life. Amen? It's a free gift for all of us. It's a free gift for all of us. Ephesians 2.8 says this. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward. See, it's not a reward. It's not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Too many times we want to go through this religious, there's a duty, I have to do this. And we miss the devotion part. Anybody out there? It's like, you, maybe you've grown up around, you know, in, a, in more of a strict household, and it was like, you got to do this, you got to do this. And then that can put a bad taste in her mouth. But Jesus is all about a relationship with us. It's all about he's looking for the devotion of our heart. Not because you have to do anything. It's because you want to do something. Amen? Amen. So theologi- or the great theologian R.C. Sprouls puts it this way. Moses could mediate the law. Mohammed-, Mohammed could brandish a sword. Buddha could give personal counsel. Confucius could offer wise sayings. But none of these men were qualified to offer atonement for the world's sin. Jesus was the only one qualified. It all starts with Jesus. But my question is, but who do you say Jesus is? Jesus asks the same questions to his disciples. His his disciples are hanging out with Jesus. They're in Galilee, and they're doing cool stuff. Jesus is feeding 4,000 people with Happy Meals. Come on. (laughs) Right? He's out there teaching, and 4,000 people show up, and they're like, we're hungry. And they're hangry. Anybody hangry? Any hangry people out there sometimes? I know my wife, she's always got a snack for me. But they were hangry. And Jesus goes, all right, what do we got? What do we got, dudes? Come on, man, what do we got? He's like, oh, well, we got some a loaf of bread and some fish. All right, cool, we can make this. Boom, he feeds the 4,000. Jesus also goes on and he casts out a demon from a lady and he heals a deaf guy. And so Jesus is going, hey, I, I know I just started all this stuff in Galilee, but who's everybody saying that I am? So he asked the question. Let's look at Mark 8 and see what the response is. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the village near Caesarea Philippi. And as they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, a good preacher. Some say Elijah, a prophet. Others say you're one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter replied, you are the Messiah. He's the Messiah. He's the one who's come to redeem the world, to make humanity right so that we can stand before a holy God. And so today, my, my question is for you, who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? If, if you? if you're like, Jesus is just a good guy, he's got some good teachings, he's a prophet, then man, your, your, your faith and your belief is, in, is a humanistic belief that is always shifting, it's always changing. If you look at our culture, look at our world, they're coming out with new things all the time. It's always shifting, it's always changing. If you look at Matthew 7, the Bible says, the wise person built his house upon the rock, and the foolish person built his house upon the sand. Today, if your faith isn't in Jesus as the way, the truth, and life, then you're building your life on the sand. But if you can say with belief and truth in your heart that, man, Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, you're building your life upon the rock. That's a good thing, right? Because in this life, there will be troubles, there will be trials, there's going to be earthquakes, there's going to be all these things, and your faith is going to be tested. And if you're just building your life on the sand, Baby, watch out, because that thing can become tumbling down. And so if you're here today and you're not sure who Jesus is yet to you, man, we're glad you're here. And I want to draw your attention to, to one word. It's called experience. The word is experience. This is what sets Christianity apart from all other religions. You get to experience a loving relationship with Jesus. So today, whether you're, you're still trying to figure this out, you're a seeker, or you know in your heart, man, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. God's not done, Amen. If, got st- if you still have breath in your lungs, you're not dead, and Jesus isn't done with you, and he's got more for you to experience. Come on, somebody. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. We serve a risen Savior who is alive and who is not dead. I love what Revelation says, chapter 1, verse 18. It says this, John's hanging out, Jesus reveals himself to John, and John's, John, is, John experiences Jesus, and he says this, I'm the living one. I died, but look. I'm alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death in the grave. Too many people in our culture right now don't know that Jesus is the hope of the world. Too many people who do know Jesus is the hope of the world are still living in fear and they are afraid. But the thing is, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't even know what's going to happen after this service, but I do know this that we serve a risen savior who holds the keys to death and the grave. You don't have to fear what tomorrow's going to bring. If your hope's in Jesus, he's holding the keys. You will spend eternity with him. All you have to do is believe and have faith. Believe and have faith. And so today, whether you're a believer or you're trying to figure it out, there are three things that Jesus wants wants us to experience as believers. And this is the thing, though. For all of us to experience this, we have to humble ourselves, we have to surrender ourselves, and we have to ask the Lord to do these things in our life. We don't serve a God that's just gonna force himself on you. He doesn't do that. But he waits for us to go, God, I'm seeking you out. There's three things that the, that the Lord wants us to experience. First one, experience his power. Say power. power. Power, come on. He wants you to experience his power. He doesn't want you to know that he has power, but he wants you to experience his power. Have you ever ever had somebody come back and tell you about an experience, and then you experienced it for yourself? I remember. Anybody like to ride roller coasters? Any roller coaster riders out there? A few of you? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I remember growing up, all my friends were like, we're going to Worlds of Fun, or we're going somewhere, we're going to Denver, and they're hanging out and doing their stuff. And I'd never been on a roller coaster until I got on a roller coaster for the very first time. And, man, I wish I could have brought you the picture of one of the times that I rode with, I I was still dating, dating Drew, and we, were at, we took the junior hires to Worlds of Fun. And we have this picture of us going down the, down the initial drop. And my face is like, <laughs> I'm like, oh And she's just like, eh. I was such a goober. It's a miracle that she even wanted to hang out with me. <laughs> but do you remember your first plane ride? You know, you've experienced, hey, you're going to go flying. Everybody's kind of a little nervous. And then you're sitting in the cheap seats in the back by the engine. And then like, I get the thrusters. and You're like, ooh. I mean, it's so fun, right? I can tell you about an experience, but until you've experienced it for yourself, you don't know the true, full experience. Amen? And Jesus is saying he wants you to experience his power. Experience his power. And I love it. There's a a guy in the Bible that got to experience the power of Jesus. Jesus did what all of us do when we meet somebody who's blind, right? Jesus bends down, spits on the ground, picks up some mud, and rubs it in his eye. But on all serious note, there's a blind guy that was born blind. In all of his days, he was just standing on the corner of the community and he would just beg for money. Didn't have a job, he was blind. And Jesus shows up to the town and changes his life. Jesus spits on the ground, picks up the mud, rubs it in his eyes, and says, Sir, Do you want to be healed? Yes, I do. Well, go, take a moment, go down to the pool and dip yourself and clean yourself off and come back. I love this about Jesus. Jesus doesn't even stick around to see the outcome. He's like, peace out, man. Take care. (laughs) And he just rolls on out. It's the power of God. I mean, and I I love it. I mean, the the man, after the miracle, he comes back, he's like, yeah, this Jesus guy, he shows up and he just rubs mud on my eyes. He doesn't even know where the mud came from. I find that funny, like, he doesn't even know that Jesus spit in the ground, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> so, the, so the man comes back after, you know, washing his face off, and he can see, and, his, and the people in the community are like, dude, dude, who is, is, is that the blind guy, and everybody's like, oh, no, that just looks like that, that blind guy, yeah, that's not him, that guy like, can see, of course, like, who, who is that guy? And there's this wrestling that's going on in the community and they're like, are are you sure? Like, that looks exactly like the blind guy. And they're like, but he can see what happened. And so there are all this wrestling going on. And so you have the community members. They, you know, what they do is they go and they, they go find the religious leaders, uh, maybe a pastor of the time, and go, hey, man, uh, this guy, it's, it's the Sabbath. He was blind a few minutes ago, but now he can see. And I, I don't know what's really going on here. And so now the Pharisees, they're all jacked up and you know, upset and mad. And they're like, man, all glory needs to go to God. Who's this Jesus guy? He's a sinner. Like, he, shouldn't be, he shouldn't be performing miracles. Who is he? And so they go on, the Pharisees are asking these people, like, who, do you know this guy? And they ask the blind guy, do you know who did this? And they're like, Jesus. And then they go to this man's parents and they go, is this your son? Yeah, he was blind, but man, he can see now. I don't want to get in the middle of this, you take it up with him. And so they go back to him and they ask him this question. Then the Pharisees again question the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about the man who healed you? He goes, I don't know what all the things that you're saying. I don't know whether he's a sinner. The man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. Jesus wants to experience power in your life. Not only in the physical, but also in the spiritual. The the greatest thing that all of us have experienced if we're believers, we are evidence of Jesus' power by the changed life that we have, that that we're living right now because of the forgiveness of our sins. Amen? All of us have been changed by the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus is continuing to be at work in the hearts and lives of people. I want us to experience the physical power, but I also want us to experience a a spiritual awakening, a spiritual touch in our lives. The spiritual touch was Jesus. Leaving heaven, coming down to earth, going, man, I'm gonna get in the middle of all your junk and I'm gonna cast your sins as far away as from the east is from the west. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Everywhere. If you've witnessed or you've been a part of, the, of your sins being forgiven and, and finding new life in Jesus, then you're a witness. If your life's been transformed and changed by the, the power of a physical touch, let your life be a witness to those around us. Church, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the move of the Holy Spirit, not just in church services, but also in our daily life as we go each and every day. Each and every day. The second thing. Jesus wants us to experience is his presence. There's no substitute for the presence of God in our church services. I mean, we have, we have great worship, amen, right? We have cool lights, we have a hazer, we have awesome coffee, we have great kids ministry, we have a great security team, we have great hosts, we have great youth ministry, we got all kinds of great stuff going on, but if we don't have the, the presence of the Lord, then we're just a club. We need the presence of the Lord, not only just in church, but also in our lives. But I love this about 1 Corinthians 14. It talks about, man, if there's a true presence in your church, if there's something going on where the presence of the Lord is, man, people's lives will be transformed and changed right then and right there. Look at 1 Corinthians. It says, but if all of you are prophesying, so let's just say we're having church here today. I'm preaching, I'm teaching, and there are people in here that don't know or don't have a relationship with the Lord, and you're like, oh man, Nate, I I hear some of the things you're saying, but I'm not really sure. If there's the true presence of the Lord, something's gonna be different, and it's gonna change. Unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convinced of, of sin and judged by what you say, and as they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed, and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. That's what we want, and I believe that's what some people are experiencing in our church. I've heard from people like, man, I just come to your church, and I just like ball, Like, I just have tears that just streamed on my face during the worship time. That's the presence of the Lord. I've heard people in life groups like, man, I just went to life group, and man, the presence of the Lord was just strong. And I felt like, man, I, there's some things in my life. Anytime we, we wrap up at the end of a service, we're always giving you an opportunity. Like, what is God speaking to you? And if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, lay that down and give it back to him or do what he says to do as, you know, during the week when you leave. Exodus 33 says this about the presence of God. Moses is, is talking to God and he's about ready to lead the people, into the, the Israelites into the promised land. And Moses said if, to, the, to God, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on this earth. It's the presence of God that changes you. It's the changes. It's the presence of God in your life that does something that that draws people. So, two weeks ago, my wife and I we were in Lincoln. We were hanging out, and uh, because of COVID, we've been riding our bikes a lot more. And my wife drives it or drives. She rides a, uh, a a pink Schwinn bike. Okay, it's kind of cute, but not really. And so I'm like, babe, like we can't be riding around on a pink Schwinn. Like we need to upgrade. And so she's like, okay, cool. So we go into a bike shop. And we're wearing masks, and I'm talking to this salesman, and Drew, we get Drew on a bike, and she's out riding around in the parking lot, and I'm talking to this guy, and, he, and he's like, man, man, it's, it's nice to, he, this is what he says to me, he goes, it's nice to meet somebody full of peace and joy. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> and so we keep talking about bikes, and Drew comes back, and then he's like, oh, you guys can take off your masks, and so we take off our masks, and we're just talking, And he goes, by the way, what do you do? do?" And I go, I'm a a pastor. He goes, yeah, I knew there was something different about you. (laughs) He's like, it's nice to meet somebody with peace and joy. That's the presence of the Lord. And I know many of you in your life, you have those encounters with people where people go, man, there's something different about you. You have peace. You have joy. Not something that the world can offer you, but only what God can offer you. Peace and joy. It's his presence. It's my hope. That you would be somebody like Moses that would say, God, I don't want to go to school today without your presence. God, I don't want to go to work today without your presence. God, I don't even want to go on a date tonight with this guy that keeps bugging me and asking me out without your presence. Come on. Whatever it is, let's be people that say, God, I don't want to go anywhere without your presence. And the last thing as I wrap up, experience his peace. God wants you to experience peace. So in January... I'm going to try not to be overly uh, too explicit on this. But in January, I was sick. I wasn't feeling good. Any women in the house that have a man? You know when a man's sick, he's dying, baby. (laughs) I mean, it's like zero to 10, he's dying. And I show up at work, and I make it till about noon. I'm like, I don't feel good. And so I'm like, okay, I go home. The only relief that I can get all day I mean, I'm eating and drinking, trying to stay, you know, keep fluid. All I can do is make myself vomit. And that goes on and on and on and on. And my wife's like, just suck it up. You'll be fine. You just got the flu. Maybe you got gas. <laughs> so I'm literally throwing the medicine cabinet at my body. Whatever I can, I'm just throwing it at me. <clears throat> throwing it at me. And it's about 10 o'clock at night. And I'm not a guy like, let's just go, I'm not going to go to the hospital for, you know, unless it's major. And so I just laid there on the bathroom floor, and I'm praying. And I remember praying for two hours. I'm just praying in and out of these, I don't feel good. Ah, I don't feel good. Ah, Jesus touched me. I'm dying. <laughs> and I remember very clearly at midnight, I just sat up, and there was a piece, and I said, Drew, you got to take me to the ER. Something's not right. And within two hours, I, I was in for appendicitis, and I had it, a, you know, had it out in a couple hours. But I just want to tell you that you can experience the peace of God in whatever it is in your life. I mean, I've heard a businessmen and women that said, you know what? I didn't feel good about that deal. I didn't have the peace. I've heard people just say, you know what? I didn't do this because I didn't feel the peace. I didn't change jobs. Or I really wanted this job, but man, they offered it to me, but I just didn't feel the peace. You need the peace of God that surpasses all understanding in your life. Amen? And Jesus wants you to experience his peace. You can experience God's power, his presence, and his peace, but only when you experience his salvation first. You can't get those three things. It's not just freely given, like, oh, hey, you can have his power, you can have his presence, you can have his peace. No, it starts with a surrendered life and says, Jesus, be my Lord, be my leader. Jesus is inviting all of us, amen? He's inviting all people, all ethnicities, all races, all people. Hey, this is a free gift that Jesus has given his life for all of humanity, But some of you today, you're a workaholic. You're like, I gotta do something. I just can't receive a free gift. I gotta do something as a payment. And I love the heart of what Jesus says because he gets humanity. Even in Genesis, it talks about like we were created to do things. We were created to work, to do stuff. And God knows your heart. You're like, I gotta do something. I love what Jesus says in John chapter six. This is what he says. Jesus told them this. This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Today, if you think you've got to do something, believe. Surrender your life to Jesus. Today, if you need some peace in your life, don't be too prideful. Ask him for it. If you need some power in your life, maybe you need a physical touch in the body, you can ask him for it. If you need more of his presence to, to lead you and guide you in the things that, are, that you're going to be facing in the days and weeks to come, you can ask him for it. He's a faithful God who loves when we experience him, amen? Amen, would you stand with me as I pray today? Jesus, today, we thank you for your love and for your kindness and your mercy. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this house. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in North Platte and the lives and the hearts of people there as well. God, today, people, we wanna be people that are completely surrendered to you. We wanna be people that believe and have faith and who can confess with our mouth that you are Lord. Jesus, today I pray that people would desire more of you in their life. That you would increase in their lives. That they would decrease in their lives. Jesus, I pray that you would move in our hearts but not just in our hearts, but God, that we would take out, take away action steps that we can practice. We can experience your power, your presence, and your peace. But all of those things come through prayer. So may we be people of prayer, praying for our country, praying for our leaders, praying for our children, praying for our spouses. God, we want to experience you in a fresh and a new way today. We love you. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Let's worship.